Neon Sun, Episode 1, in which we find ourselves in the year 2061, and we meet our heroes. Don't worry about it. Okay, all right, class. Settle down now. Settle down. We're going to watch a film now, and I want everyone to pay very close attention. At the close of the 20th century, there was a place known as Earth. Earth was a planet. The dominant species on this planet, Homo sapiens, also known as human beings. What is this for babies? Everyone knows that. Quiet, Chuck. On March 11th, 2020, astronomer Mark Porcelain discovered Goliath 113, an asteroid roughly one-tenth the size of Earth itself, due to intersect with our planet's orbit in the summer of 2031. Shown here, you can see its 300,000 year path through our galaxy, and the devastating impact that shattered the Earth into fragments. Melvin! Melvin! What? Did you talk to Cindy yet? No, I will though. Why are you two? There's a quiz on this at the end of class. Faced with the task of saving humanity, the greatest scientists in the world assembled to embark on the single most ambitious scientific endeavor in man's 250,000 year history, Eternia. Or, as it was referred to at the time, the Ark. With the combined efforts of designer Stanley Kapowski and aeronautic production giant Julius Voss Kavanaugh, Eternia, the biggest space station ever built, came to life. It comfortably supports approximately 2 million residents with state-of-the-art air, water, and food production facilities. It is entirely self-sufficient. The first ever fully mechanized planet. Below Eternia lies the largest remaining shard of what was once Earth. What we call Global One. Miraculously, a small population of Earthers managed to live through the impact of Goliath 113 using bunkers built deep underground. Still struggling for survival, this brave group continues even now to scratch out a foundation for the next age of human life on Earth. And now a message from the owner of Eternia, the man who has made all of our lives possible, Boss Kavanaugh. Fellow Eternians, while we are unable to bring the survivors of Global One up to Eternia for fear of radioactive contamination, a massive relief program has been initiated by the Eternian Council to help those pioneers of the modern age down there in any way we can. In 2033, the Eternian Council constructed the first of our earth umbilicals, sometimes called tentacles, to transport surplus water and food down to Global One in order to sustain them through their long road to recovery. The relief program could be our species' best chance for survival, but it doesn't run by itself. We need your help. Sign up now for extended relief service on Global One and do your part to save the human race. That quiz will have to end the next week, I suppose. Remember to read your textbook.
chapters 15 and 16 on the history of Global One. Have a nice weekend. So who asked you to the Equinox Hub? Steve. Dude, our tackleball team is completely chent this year. We got beat again last night. Tier 20. Yeah, those guys are like a foot taller than us. I know. What are they putting in their soy over there? Did you hear their new Vents album? I know. They're so dreamy, but like edgy, you know? Totally. Dude, Melvin, check this out. It's a pick mess from my brother. Look how dark his skin is getting. Sunshine's brighter out there with no dome to block out the UV rays. I know that, Fizzog. Look how much fun he's having, though. I heard those global girls party like crazy. And I hear there's real liquor down there, too. And what about saving the human race? Right, well, that goes without saying. It's noble as hell going down there. I don't know, Chuck. It sounds pretty dangerous. Melvin, dude, I'm really sorry about what happened to your dad. It's fluthered. Completely banjaxed. But you have to realize that was one in a million. I mean, come on, do you want to be cooped up in this flying closet forever? It's time to stretch our legs. And what about doing your part? I think I'll do my part better by getting married and popping out some little humans. Speaking of which, there's Cindy at her friends at 4 o'clock. You gonna ask her to the Equinox hop now? Or is that too dangerous for you? Suck a chent, Chuck. Meet Melvin. In many ways, a typical participant in Eternian society. He is 17 years old. In his last semester at school, number H45, where he earns just above average grades. He is 5 foot 6 inches tall, 130 pounds, and has no idea what he wants to do with his life after graduation. And he is obsessed with finding a girlfriend before it is too late. This last source of angst is not entirely unfounded. The institutions of marriage and offspring are both revered and strictly controlled on Eternia. The survival of humanity depends on a steady stream of new children, and yet the space station can only support a limited population. So you can see why Melvin is quite anxious now as he approaches young Cindy. Okay, here we go. No big deal. Low stakes. Low stakes. Low stakes. Hey, Cindy. Hey. So, um, how's school going? Fine, I guess. Yeah, me too, I guess. So, uh, the Knox Hop is coming up, huh? Yep. Are you, uh, going? I mean, with anyone? Yeah, I'm going with Steve Emerson. Oh, cool, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. So, what are you up to after school? Some stuff. Look, Melvin, I gotta go. Okay, cool. See you tomorrow, then. Tomorrow's Saturday. Oh, right. See you Monday. Right. Bye. Bye. Dude, you are such a gobdaw. How's school going? What are you, her uncle? Damn it. I just get so blinkered around her. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She's going with Steve Emerson. Ew, what a tube sock. Oh well. I heard Cindy's a slipper anyway. What? She is not. Just saying. I heard she's easier to get into than trouble. Not if you ask me. Chill, easy. There's a party tonight over at the exhaust fence on Spoke 7. Katie Myers is going to be there, I think. Meh. I heard she likes you. Really? Katie Myers? Maybe one way to find out. I'll see if I can sneak out. I, I think my mom's getting suspicious. 
she'll turn a blind eye. After all, we're in matching season. She probably wants you to hook up as much as you do. Besides, the Knox hop's only a week away. And if you don't have a date... I know. I'll be letting down the entire human race. Yeah, I guess. Plus, people might think you're into Jake's. Shut up, Chuck! Make me. Or just pick me up at nine. We'll go to the party. And I won't take no for an answer. Right. See ya. From a distance, Eternia resembles a giant wagon wheel, and the city of Eternia is at the hub. This hub looks like a snow globe, its crystal shell glinting in the starlight. Inside the snow globe is an ivory pyramid, ridged with dozens of tiers. Each tier is lined with ivory edifices, homes, businesses, and churches. About two-thirds of the way up the pyramid there is a townhouse, wedged between two similar structures. Inside that townhouse, Dominated by the standard ivory furniture and cabinetry, there is a kitchen. On the white kitchen table are white plates, and on those plates are brown chunks of steamed soy protein, flavored with various chemical compounds to resemble the meatloaf of the 20th century. We join Melvin here, eating dinner with his mother. For a long time, the two eat without speaking. The only sounds vibrating the air come from their serrated sporks against ceramic plates, and the constant drone of the great gravitational centrifuge far beneath them, which, to most Eternians, is no sound at all. I'd really rather not talk about it right now, Mom. Why? What's wrong? Nothing. These soy cakes are delicious. Hmm. Are you being sarcastic or trying to change the subject? Neither. It's the Equinox hop, isn't it? No. You still don't have a date, do you? No. Well, quit worrying. Someone will probably just fall into your lap. By next week? Melvin. The best way to attract a woman is... Lower the stakes. I know, you keep saying that. But it's just... How can I act like I don't care when the future of humanity depends on me getting laid? I know how ridiculous it seems, honey, but you really do have to try not to try. When I met your father, he made it seem like nothing was more important than his work. After we got married, he told me what a nervous wreck he was. He was scared to death I might be in love with his best friend. Mom? What, babe? What happened to Dad? Honey, you read the same communique I did. It said your father was killed in a food processing accident. Yeah, but is that really true? I don't know, honey. Later that night, as young Melvin sneaks out of his house, he stops by his father's still undisturbed study, perhaps to have one more look at the spirit of the man that once was. What's this? Some kind of computer chip? Maybe Chuck knows what it is. I'll keep it. But what's it doing on Dad's desk? As he mounts his Magna scooter, Melvin has no idea what events are to take place this very night. He will, in fact, meet the woman of his dreams, but not the woman he expects. Another thing he does not know is that this woman will induct herself into his life by smacking him in the face with the broadside of a six-foot retractable sword, 
or that this blow will knock him clear off his scooter, sending the scooter into a lamppost, or that this will all happen now. Tune in for Neon Sun, Episode 2, in which we will meet a mysterious woman. <laughs>